Untamed, exploring the Texas coast. From Sabine to South Padre, we plan and execute the most exciting and authentic coastal experiences Texas has to offer, including fishing, paddling, surfing, and camping. Brought to you by Untamed Out. Summer is here. There's no better place to spend your summer vacation than going to Fish Camp Rockport. Stay in one of our custom container homes and enjoy the wild surrounding acreage. Whether you want to launch your boat and enjoy the bay, explore Rockport, or make your way to the Port A Beach, Fish Camp Rockport is the perfect base camp for any adventure. Go to www.untamedout.com to book your stay today. You can listen to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Captain Travis Power of Lone Star Guide. I'm Elliot Barr. And this is our fourth episode. I'm really enjoying these. Well, you know, my wife said I started a podcast just so I can go on fishing trips, and she's not wrong. This has been really pretty pretty awesome. I, I've never fished with you this much. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it gives us an excuse to get out, gives us uh, motivation to try new things, and uh, I like it. Well, I'll tell you what I like, and that's adding diversity to my fishing trips. I mean, it's really making me think outside the box, and it's really making me kind of, like, feel about fishing like I used to feel about fishing, you know? It's not repetitive. It's new. It keeps my focus, man. I think it's good for me. And I think it's going to really even transition into better trips, you know, better trips that are run with clients. Yeah. I find myself, uh, especially in the summertime or in the fall, I'll get in a groove. I'll find fish. I'll have a good time and know where, where to go. And I think this is definitely going to get me out of my comfort zone, getting to find new water and kind of back where I started learning the middle coast was finding new water and going to different places and seeing what worked for me. And it was always kind of a crapshoot because I was going to new places and not really understanding what the difference was in that location from season to season. So, um, everything that I've learned, I think I can help transition to the different locations that we'll try to explore. So, yeah, man. And talking about on the podcast is going to kind of make you put it in that memory bank too right oh yeah and and you said you know outside of your comfort zone that's good it's definitely breaking the monotony for me right you know because it's it feels a lot less like a job right so I, I i don't know if i can cement you know me as like a, a podcaster right but it's got enough good i want to keep doing it oh yeah absolutely so what uh what do we have new with Untamed in our Untamed Out website? Oh, so happy you asked. Um, yeah, no, actually, we've been working on that thing nonstop, right? And oh, yeah. very, very excited to say that, like, by the time you're listening to that, you can finally book a fish, fish camp on the website. You yes. don't have to go through Airbnb because, man, I get that question a million times. Yeah. Can we book... Outside of Airbnb? Yeah, the answer's been no. <laughs> and people are like shocked. And it's like, no, dude, it's not shocking. Um, like, we don't have the liability stuff in place. We don't have the insurance stuff in place. Like, we don't have the systems and protocols. And we just can't run it smoothly enough outside of that. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about the the platform that makes it 
available and easy for a host to get their property listed online. Oh, I mean, for sure. But, I mean, that's why we're paying, what, 14%? Yeah. You know, I mean, by the time, man, like, by the time you pay, like, Airbnb and you pay the county and you pay the city and you pay the state and you pay the cleaners and you, you know, it's like, man, it's like, I wish I was getting 14% of this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But but I, I like it and and what's really cool is that it's still gonna be that same great experience, right? Like everything talks to each other, it works, like the calendars are updated, like you go on there and it's booked. You know, you go to the site, it's just like booking it through Airbnb. You get the same features, the same stuff. And I think that's gonna let us go to what's the next one? VRBO or something like that? Yeah. And our platform that we're using link can link all the different platforms together and allow us to use one uh, managing software and and broadcast that out to all the different platforms so if you like airbnb you like vrbo booking.com will eventually push to those platforms but the good news is that we are available to book independently on our own website and uh pretty seamless um in in the testing that i've done so that will be available to you um as you're hearing this podcast yeah and what's sweet about all that too is that it's still helping us with the guide platform right yeah Um, absolutely still um you know everything's going to tie in i think we've got a lot of really cool people that we want to work with you know and i think it's all going to kind of talk on the websites i think it's super fun yeah absolutely But that's new on the website, so what's new with you, man? Well, with me, I've been doing some work around the house. They say April showers bring May flowers, but I feel like the past couple of years it's been May showers. And now we're pushing into June, and uh, we're what we've got going on around the house is I've got several landscaping projects that my wife's given me. She doesn't, it doesn't not, does not go unnoticed that I'm spending more time fishing. So when I get home and have some time, there are the honeydews ready to go. And did some grading on the side of the house, improved drainage. Our neighborhood just, it was built in the 70s, has terrible drainage in the backyards. Harvey happened, tax day flood, all the major rain events in Houston, and a lot of the houses in our neighborhood have struggled with drainage out of the backyard, including ours. And so we had a, a an additional French drain put in, did some grading around that, and then my wife has started a, a garden bed on the side of the house, and so we've got a variety of vegetables, including zucchini, squash, tomatoes, Tabasco peppers, cucumbers. I think the cucumbers are my favorite. I didn't, when I, when she had those planted, uh, I didn't realize you could have those climb up uh, a string or a wire. Um, and my brother kind of clued me in on that. My brother's been doing gardening for, for quite a few years now. So then I was talking to him about it, but I've, I've never really maintained a garden and I think I'm starting to enjoy it more than my wife and it's her garden. So I know you've done some nice man. Well, I'm not like a big gardener. I like, um, I like things I can eat. I like things to grow, you know? So we've got like pecan tree and persimmons. We got strawberries and the raised planter, you know, we've got a lot of, um, dewberries scattered throughout the ranch, you know? I love I love things that 
you know, can kind of take hold on their own. Right. And we can kind of pick them when they're in season and stuff. But, but I mean, I like it all, man. I think the gardening's cool. I think it's it's really neat to, to you know, kind of show the kids where food really comes from. Oh, yeah. And um, Yeah, my daughter's enjoyed it. The And speaking of things that just kind of grow and take over, we do have some blackberry bushes that we planted as well. So I wonder if that's just going to take over the whole garden. I don't know if we have a rhyme or reason where we planted things and why we planted them there, but we're about to find out in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully something will. I know the, the zucchini and squash is taking off, but we've got two tomatoes we harvested, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... Um... I, I bet the blackberries are going to be something that you'll that'll produce more next year. Like they've got to get in the ground, established. Yeah, um, and that's kind of like us too. Like the strawberries, you know, you got to like keep those things alive all year, and then the next year they're like they're they're really pumping, you right. know. But if you like, if you just buy them like right when it's like right before strawberry season, I, mm-hmm. no, I haven't really done. Not going to produce well for you. Yeah, and the I mean, outside of that, um, you know, for the trip that we're going to talk about, having gone to East Matagorda, we went in the polling skiff, right? And since my skiff has been sitting in the garage for since February, it's accumulated quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of items, garage items, hunting items, all sorts of stuff. Just it becomes a stationary shelf, yeah, and so right. I had to spend a good amount of my morning cleaning the entire garage out yeah. so that way I could get my skiff out and start it up. Well, it's clean. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're in the same camp, right? Cleaning the garage means just stacking your shit in a different spot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not spread out across the boat, but just shoved <laughs> as high as you can. The 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 <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. I uh, I like that, and and you know what you said too about fishing more, um, getting more honeydews, a little different with uh, Hannah. It's been, you know, it's kind of the last since I've been guiding. You know, I fish more, and I'm like, oh, it's a job. You know, I gotta go work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm fishing with Ellie, and she's like, hold on, that's not a job. Not a job anymore. That looks like a lot of fun. And she's <laughs> like, well, what about me? And, um, and yeah, and, and I think we're, we're going to get into that later too and talk about our next trip, but she's definitely getting on to me and she's like, Hey, you're, yeah, I'm not sitting on the sidelines. And, um, but we weren't sitting on the sidelines, man. We just got back from Garner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I got to work all week and you got to go and play in Gardner. That's us, man. Um, uh, school's out straight to the Frio, dude. I, if it was up to me. I just check the kids out early from school. Like, yeah, it's my favorite trip of the year. I get antsy. I just, I just want to get there as soon as we can. And, and it's just, man, it's just so much fun. It's so iconic, such a Texan thing. Right. And we, we bring the camper up there and, and, um, and man, we did so much. Yeah. I've spent some time on the Frio, but never have stayed in Gardner. I've gone to Concan and, you know, rented a house there and done that kind of thing. But we like Garner and I mean it it's just Garner's a different state park. It's it's like a party state park, you know, yeah. or you know, a lot of a lot of state parks that everyone's got different rules. Some can be pretty strict, but I mean it just kinda seems like they're a little loose. And man, there's tents everywhere and tubes and floats and toys and kids and 
I mean, it just, it's a lot of people having fun. They do a dance during the summer. They got their dance every night. Yeah. Um, and my kids are, my kids are too young for that. But I mean, we like it. We go down to Concan. We went, you know, swimming right there in Concan too and yeah. jumped off the big rocks. It was, you know, my daughter's eight. And so she climbed up, you know, she climbed up to the big rocks, you know, and, and, um, my son's four and he's just this wild, right? And so we're, we're sitting there and, you know, I had the GoPro out and I was kind of watching Jack and, um, you know, there's some boys there and they were doing backflips off the big rocks and I could just see Jack. He was just watching them and watching them. Right. And so, um, next to the big one, there's a little bit smaller rock and we were jumping off with Jack and I said, Hey, I want to get a video of you. And so he's on the rock away from me mm-hmm. and he looks at me and says, dad, I'm going to do a backflip. He's been watching. He's been watching oh, enough, and I've seen it, and I know him, man. And he's wild, and he will he will go for it, right? And I I was like, oh, like I can't get to him, so I was like, what do I do? And I said, Jack. I said, do a front flip. And he looked at me and said, okay. Just <laughs> had to instill the confidence in him, and uh, and well, because I just didn't want to give him the option because I knew he was going to go for it. I knew a backflip, he would just end up like flat on his back or something, or hit right. his head on the rock. And so he lined up, and man, and he was with his sister too, and. Just just gave it his all, front flip. Pretty yeah. much got around. I mean, you know, it's on my Instagram, you know. Um, go check it out, right? Mm-hmm. And then you probably see the story or whatever. But, I mean, man, we did so much stuff. We paddle boarded and we fished. All the kids caught fish, right? You know what I do when I'm not fishing? I go somewhere and fish. Right. You know, we love fishing the state parks. We well, caught- I know your kids enjoy it, too, just as much as my, my kid but um, yeah, that it looked like you had a good time out there. I mean, what what were you catching? You were fishing in the Frio. Oh yeah, for sure. We we um, I I like make it a mission to be good at state park fishing. Yeah. And um, I I well, I mean I guess it's it's kind of what I do everywhere. But like I always want to catch fish, you know. And even when people are you know like oh it's tough or we haven't caught any fish or people always come to me asking how we catch fish and it's just I'm there to catch fish, so we catch perch. Yeah. And we take little bitty pieces of worm, and we string a tiny little bee hook through them, you know, and we're right. just we're just really good at going after those little perch, right? And so we caught a ton. We found we we found some space. We kind of hiked down. We found a spot of the river that doesn't get a lot of traffic. And, yeah, and we sat there for a while, and we had a lot of fun doing that one, man. And they all caught fish, and they all got to, you know, hold them and touch them and get poked by them and let them swim in the water and it was it was man it was such a good trip cichlids are a good time if they're in six inches of water or three feet of water either way they come out of the little holes and come and attack your little worm with a tiny hook and it's a good time yeah man so we we did that and straight back and and uh, just trying to get back into, you know, I brought the boat to Matagorda after getting it serviced. Yeah. And it looks like I'm probably going to be heading to Rockport. So I think that that's the next thing is I'm going to go get the boat and get set up in Rockport for the next few weeks, running trips out of that one too. Yeah. Um, Kind of tough because, you know, one thing that happened at Garner or what I found out that happened at Garner. What's that? The entire subfloor of my living room slide on the camper is rotted. It is just like turning to sawdust. So you mean to tell me that campers are not built 
for my three for... my three year old camper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, I'm in a predicament because I got to figure out how I'm running these trips in Rockport with no place to stay and a fish camp's booking up. Oh yeah. And uh, but ah oh, man, I think I think we'll get it figured out. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I went down to your house and saw that, and it's just incredible. The The quality of campers is, uh, you, you look at them too hard, and they might fall apart. Oh, man. It's like um, it's like afterwards when you look at it, and you're like, wow, my couch and refrigerator was being held on by this thin little strip of nylon. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it is what it is, man. Um and that that was a fun trip, but but getting into um, getting into this episode, man, what are we going to talk about? Well, we just got back from our trip to East Matagorda, and like I said, we we pulled my skiff out of the garage, and you know when I pulled it out and and got it started up, and you know I like to typically I like to run it at least once a month if it's just sitting, but I, it it had been sitting and I haven't cleaned the carbs or anything. I pulled it out, started it up. And generally after it's been sitting for a while, I'll make sure to pull it out far enough in the driveway, close the garage doors because that two stroke Yamaha is just going to throw a huge plume of smoke out. And so I did just that. I closed the garage doors, started it up. And as soon as I started it up, all that, all that oil that had been sitting in the pistons is just smoked right out into the, I mean, the, the neighborhood is just no more mosquitoes. Yeah. But, Thank, thankful for me. Well, um, I, I don't know if we've gotten into it, but what is the skiff? So what I've got is 18 foot manufacturers Ranger. So if you're into bass fishing at all, Ranger makes all the bass boats, the sparkly glitter boats, they make uh, center console bay boats, but for a while they made um, flat skiffs. And the one that I've got is Ranger Banshee, and it's a it's a flat deck boat. It's mine is a tiller drive, and so I I steer and everything from my motor. I don't have a center console. I don't have a steering wheel, and so that makes my boat very versatile because you have a lot more deck space. Um, and what's what's great about them is they float in really uh, skinny water. Um, there's a platform up on the back just above the motor. And, uh, I jump up there and I've got a 22 foot stiffy push pole. And, um, what that allows me to do is I get up on the platform and, and push, uh, from the back end of the boat. And that gives us the opportunity to sneak up on fish with, uh, being very stealthy. Um, and the angler is, um, located at the front of the boat up on a raised about 18 inches off the deck of the boat on a casting platform. And that's usually what we, what we use to fly fish off the front. So that way you get improved visibility and you can, um, stock fish, see them working the shorelines or if they're cutting across the section of the marsh, you can see them tailing. Um, and then, and then you can make an approach on them because you've got, you've got a tool to get you there stealthily, quietly, and um, give you a good opportunity to get a shot at a fish. Yeah, man, that's a. I like how you describe the boat. You're right. I, I was kind of thinking that 
um, I, I don't know. I think growing up maybe is a little differently because I don't think polling skiffs had really taken over yet, right? But I think when you say a skiff now, you're talking about a polling skiff, right? Yeah. I think that Ranger is probably a little bit of a hybrid, maybe not a technical polling skiff. Right. It's got a little bit of, you know, I, I don't, what you know, I think growing up we'd call them like, you know, like a little scooter, you know? Right. You know, a little, you know, flat bottom, really skinny water boat, right? And that's that was mainly to get you somewhere, you mm-hmm. know. But the polling skiffs are made for stocking fish. Right. You know? And so that's that's yeah, kind of what we're talking about, right? And there's no doubt about it. My my skiff pushes like a barge. Uh, <laughs> it's got an eight-foot beam. And so what's great about it is that you can bring anybody on the boat and they can be comfortable walking around the front, the sides, you don't have to feel like you're going to tip the boat over. And a lot of the technical pulling skiffs, they they don't feel quite as steady. And you have to have your feet under you and understand the way the boat's going to move when you're stepping in a certain direction. I mean, I can stand on the, the gunnel of the boat and, with one foot up and not feel like the boat's going to tip over. So that's kind of the advantage of this boat. It, like I say, it pushes like a barge, but it is the most stable uh, skiff. Uh, that you can stand on and walk around so that which is really nice when a when a fish takes you around the boat you know around the world and uh and you have to make your way around but yeah it, it's good it, it's really shallow and that and that lets us go and that's kind of what we were doing um in east matagorda right you know right. in the marsh so so we've got the polling skiff and we've got what do we got a fly rod yeah. And we're going to go push into these back lakes, right? And 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 that wide beam, you know, it works out pretty well because we are typically trying to find those redfish, you know, as far up there as we can. Yeah. You know, we're looking for the schools. Um, we're not necessarily um we're not necessarily trying to pick off singles, you know, or or, or having to chase down the fish, right? So the barge works. Right. You know. Gets us over the, you know, over the oysters or, you know, through some mud and, um, and, and, and it works. Right. So, um, so where exactly, let's start from the beginning. Like where, where did we go? Where did we launch? So we launched at Matagorda Harbor. And, um, if you're not familiar with Matagorda, there's one, one Harbor out of Matagorda and it's a good size Harbor. Um, I think there's some plans to potentially expand the Harbor. I think well, that's still that got, works. that got voted down, voted down, uh, but the Harbor's great man. it's, I love it. I, you know, I've, I like, I like Matagorda a little bit. Right. right. And, uh, I like the Harbor there, man. It's set up nice. Um, you got bait and fuel. Um, you got plenty of ramps. You got four ramps, easy to get in and out. Yeah, plenty of space to dock. Great fish cleaning station. Great parking lot. So, so you can put in there, and you can take the intercoastal to East Matagorda, right? Right. And that's what we did. Yeah. And with the skiff, like I've got, I've got a thirteen gallon tank, and so fuel consumption is always at the top of my mind. And pretty much the run out of the harbor over to the opposite side of uh, East Matagorda Bay where the marsh system runs from, you know, three mile cut all the way up to 
um, sergeant pretty much. And so you, you can choose anywhere along, along that coastline. And it's about an 11 mile run from the Harbor across the Bay. And so you're, you know, at a minimum, you're looking at a 22 mile run back and forth. And I think we, we generally, um, you know, stay within a 35 mile, uh, you know, 35 mile trip. And, uh, and that works well for my skiff. Uh, is that what we did on the last one we put in some miles yeah do you i I have to i'll look it up but i think you need to back up um and this is for people with skiffs right so uh when you're fishing east matagorda and you're launching out of the harbor in matagorda Mm -hmm. right intercoastal and then you got the cut and you get it into east matagorda right Right. how do you get to the marsh you got to cross the bay yeah you got to go all the way across the middle. You're not running around the edges. You're not staying in shallow waters. So you kind of got to, you got to check the weather, right? Right. And so what, what what did the weather look like that day? We were looking at five to 10 mile an hour. And I think I mentioned on the last podcast when we were prepping for this trip is I like to see no more than 15 to 20, um, you know, and that, is because the middle of that bay isn't super deep, but it does get really choppy. And I've been across that bay in 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. And I think maybe you were with me a couple of times. Definitely is not a dry ride, but I definitely have had that boat up on its stern crossing some waves. And, uh, you know, I think maybe your boat is not a dry ride ever. That's not something Ranger thought about, I guess. No, but but yeah, you gotta you gotta pay attention a little bit. Um, it it can it can get it can get a little choppy. Uh, it can get choppy quick too while you're out there, right? You know, right. most of, if you you know a lot of the summertime fishermen and stuff too, you'll have that southeast wind, right? So it'll be at your back, and um, it, but that's the big thing. I, I think you did mention that you know we kind of fish that the marsh from three mile cut up mm-hmm. which up would be east right? right heading towards sergeant plenty of marsh past you know up there i feel like that's more kayak you can access pretty much that whole shoreline right but yeah up close i i, I think there's a lot of kayak traffic that we kind of stay out of and and i was just pulled it up on my phone and yeah what we did that day was 31.6 miles okay so we covered 31.6 miles in your skiff Right. 40 horse tiller yeah right yeah and my boat runs about 27 knots something around there um you know on a good day you hit 30 with the wind behind you but um yeah i mean when we pulled off the intercoastal um i mean there was quite a few boats i mean it was definitely summertime you know summertime at the harbor on a friday Quite a few boats launching everything from offshore boats, catamarans to... Well, snapper season opened yeah. up, so I, I don't know when this is going to drop, but that, that'll give give away when we're recording it, right? Or when right. we went fishing, but yeah, that was the big one there. It drove a lot of traffic. Um, you know, summertime, man, you just got to deal with it. Oh, yeah. I, I like, you know, I like East Matagorda because you don't have to deal with airboats. Yeah. Right? um you know just on the typical and uh and yeah it, you know it's busy summertime but we didn't see another pulling skiff no no 
we had the marsh to ourselves and sometimes you get the bay boats that get back in the marsh but i mean we had good weather there was a couple of bay boats out doing some wading in the bay and um as soon as we got through the intercoastal and turned out into the bay i mean water looked good um oh it looked great and and maybe we're going to give it away because it's an easy trip man if you got a pulling skiff and you want to go fish back lakes and you haven't fished east matagorda it's easy to do yeah you know it's easy to find you pick anywhere you want and you just start pulling right you know? but um and, and that's what we did but we actually got a little lucky on this trip and it's something i spotted and i'm sure you spotted too but you know i started waving you down but right what did we see right so we we're so we're crossing the bay, right? Right. Sun's coming up. It looks gorgeous. Oh yeah. People that don't catch fish are taking pictures right now, right? And um, and birds are working. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we made it just about to the other side of the bay, and I, I, I think we both saw it about the same time. We were keeping our eye on it. I mean, sometimes you see seagulls working in the middle of the bay, and they're just kind of cruising along. But these were definitely birds working with a purpose. And, um, fortunately it was in the direction that we were headed anyhow. So, um, I figured we just, you know, pull up on the upwind side of them and drop the trolling motor and see what they were working on. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, it's, um, I'm no purist, right? So I just grabbed the spinning rod because you packed the rods and reels and not me. And uh, it had a bone she dog on it, you know, and just went to town, man. Started working the trout. Oh, but yeah. you, you talk about fun, right? Like just summertime, birds are working, and you're not sharing it with anybody, right? We were all by ourselves, right? And um, and just top waters exploding out of the water, right? And that she dog, decent sized top water, and a bunch of those little schooly trout. I think they all probably went. What everything from fourteen and a half to sixteen and a half, yeah. you know, and uh, so you might get, you know, two or three or more blow ups on right. each cast, right? And and you're just hoping a bird doesn't grab the top water, right? That the fish will, you know, hopefully get in its mouth. Yeah. And yeah, I had fun. You had enough time still to goof off and get the fly rod out, right? And oh, yeah. catch catch some trout on the fly rod. Under the birds while I'm catching them on topwaters. Yeah, exactly. That's the nice thing about having that trolling motor on the skiff. And sometimes it's always a, it's always the question when I'm getting the skiff ready the the day before is, am I gonna leave this trolling motor on or am I gonna take it oh, off? Oh, I hate it. I cuss you every time I see it, don't <laughs> I? I, I? I would cuss you all day, every day when I'm pulling because the battery's way too much. Uh-huh. When I'm casting because it's in my way. Right. But. When uh when we're tired and we want to get out of the marsh, it's the only time I don't cuss you. <laughs> uh uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's I think uh I think you've gotten really good at managing your fly line and I've got a fly management bucket or you know, something that I made um uh, that that you strip your line into and keep it off the deck and there's all sorts of ways to do it, but I mean I think that trolling motor is invaluable especially like you mentioned when you get tired well, you want to move you know you've pushed all the way into the marsh and you want to bust out and then yeah. push down the coast and a little bit we're on birds right and i'm on you know fish on the platform casting top waters humming on with a spinning rod and reeling in trout yeah 
and you've got control of the boat, right? And yeah. you're on the rear pulling platform with a fly rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it has its advantages, right? Catching trout on the fly rod uh, with with nothing different, right? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe some people listening are kind of wondering about that, or maybe that maybe some skiffers have seen birds and haven't gone after them because they're not really sure, but. When that's happening, it doesn't matter. You know, what? we probably had, what, redfish crack or some, what, yeah. you know, whatever you have on there, just throw it at them because you're going to catch them. Yeah. Yeah, and all I pulled up with the fly rod was a couple small, maybe 12-inch, 14-inch. Just blind cast. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing Nothing difficult or crazy, but it's no, still it's cool. No, it's fun. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, you know, give yourself some credit, right? It's fun. You're catching oh, yeah. speckled trout on a fly rod. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you you have it in those scenarios or if you've ever fished lights at night when you have trout schooling around bait and at night fly rods super fun, little little flies and 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 lures that you can put on and it's it's definitely a good time. Well, and to get into that in a little more detail, you know, on this trip, I didn't really bring anything. I think I I think I did throw a fly rod in your hatch but right. everything you had set up so what did you have set up so we're going so we're going after redfish so we we had a lot of fun with the birds i think we got it on video we'll post it right right at untamed out at lone star guide yeah right and uh so you can check out the birds you can check out that action i think we got like a time lapse video mm-hmm. but now we're heading to the marsh so explain what setup we got i mean we're, we're traveling light we've got one fly rod and one spin reel yeah so that like you mentioned we had i had one spinning reel set up with that she dog top water on it and we never take we never did take that off of there I mean, I always like to keep a top water, and if I'm going to bring two conventional reels, I'll I'll have a lure on one and a top water on the other. But I just brought one with a top water, and uh, seemed to work out nicely when we ran into those. It's what spinning rod, right? Yeah, just because you don't know uh, how to use a bait caster. Okay, bait caster purist. Braid, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fluorocarbon leader. Right. It's just giving people out there a little bit, you know, and we're just tying a tying a um top water to the, the to the fluorocarbon right right and that and that 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 setup's good we can get into that but i was you know more so on your fly rod setup so what are you using to target redfish in the marsh at east matagorda so i run a eight weight nautilus reel and um i've got a floating line on it a floating fly line and um usually a nine foot or to 12 foot leader on it and i was throwing uh what's called the redfish crack fly and uh it's kind of a, a greenish brown a little bit darker um you know when we started pushing back into the marsh the water was a little little stained definitely wasn't super clear and so i i like to throw a darker darker fly when the conditions are are like that with the water but and that's usually what i start with um on it on any trip even if it's clear i'll start with that and if i see fish working shrimp up on the grass or uh, there's a lot of uh, shad or mullet running in the marsh then you know make adjustments but coming coming from the garage to uh to the launch that's what i had rigged up is that fly rod with the redfish crack and a spinning rod with the top water on it yeah and, and that's and that's um 
that's a store-bought leader right yep and that's what i like you know nine foot leader so it's this is this is stuff every fly shop has you know eight weight rod that's a go-to one right you can put that together really easy i use you know all my leaders that i have are store-bought i don't i don't really get into you know um time my own leaders that much i don't you know some some people are really really good at it and the fish are finicky and they can pick up on certain signs you know they might adjust their leaders mm-hmm. you know i i don't i keep it pretty simple like you so we had that straightforward kind of plan of attack and that was our gear right and so we were we were going to use that and push into those back lakes right and, and look for redfish now it was exactly. a little cloudy in the morning if i remember right which makes it a little harder to see them. But a lot of times in East Matagorda, we're not really looking for the fish as much as like what's happening on top of the water and around the water, right? Right. And, um, and so I just want to get into a little bit of detail there to, to let people know how we start these trips is we pick a spot, you know, spots, you know, cuts that we're familiar with or we like, and we go in there and then we start looking for fish sign. Yeah, exactly. And I think the first thing I look for is what's the water doing? Is the tide pushing out? Is it uh, coming in? Um, I know that when I first pull up to a spot, I like to I like to cut the motor off about 150 yards off the bank, and and that way we can get situated, pull rods out of uh, rod holders, and we can get up on the platform and start pushing in towards the bank and sometimes depending on what the water's doing i mean you'll have flounder on those inlets sometimes you'll have redfish working in and out of those inlets um and it's a good opportunity to get get your bearings get warmed up and and kind of uh make your presence not as known um you know as opposed to running right up to an inlet and dropping your you know trimming up oh yeah that's a good point too right i i i like that too i like to push into the inlets you know it's a little slower and it takes some more time but yeah i shut down in the bay push into the inlets we got straightforward gear kit and and i really got a straightforward plan of attack i mean we're looking for redfish right first thing is do you see redfish Mm -hmm. and um and just tails or backs or pushing bait hammering bait right and then the next one, right, and the, and and the, and it's my go-to, right, is birds. You know, right. I locate fish by locating the birds, man, because I can see them and I can tell which parts of the marsh to go to. And I've been looking at birds for a long time. I don't, I don't know who turned me on to that, but that's my advice of the week, man. If we were gonna do tips of the week, I'd be like, watch the birds. Yeah, understand the birds, because I definitely feel like I know. I'll look at birds and I'll be like, those birds, that's nothing. And I'll see birds and I'll say, hey, got to go over there. Look right. at that. We got to go over there. And, uh, and man, I tell you what, dude, they will give away some redfish. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's what you, you might hear a lot of people saying is watch your environment. Your environment will tell you exactly what you need to know about where the fish are and, and how they're working and what where the bait is and Birds are definitely a key indicator. Well, yeah, for sure, man. And and it's like, watch, you know, I guess I've heard some people talk about this now you say that and not being direct because they would say things like, 
uh, it takes years to learn this stuff, and you know you got to put in the time, and and I I don't you know it probably does. I've put in a lot of time, but you're really trying to figure out what are the birds doing and why are they doing right? Right. And then if you can find birds feeding, then you you keep asking those questions like, what are they feeding on? Why are they feeding like that? You know, and if they have if they look like they have got it all figured out and they're not using much energy and they're sitting there feeding, like they've probably figured out the bait, right? Yeah. And they are taking advantage of that because that's what I would do, right? If I found an easy food, you know, I'd just sit there and eat, right? Yeah. Now, if those birds are working hard, right, they're picking up the scraps from a school of hungry redfish, you know, you know, that's different. And that's what you're looking for, right? You want to see those birds kind of working to get their food. You know, they're they're maybe chasing something, right, instead of having something funneled to them. Right. And and that's the number one indicator, I would say. You know, we did that. And, and honestly, the day really didn't go as planned. It was a tough day. Yeah. We saw fish. We saw fish eating. We had great targets. We got the flies to them. And, and, and man, it was... It was slow, you know. It was just, it was slow. They were, yeah, they weren't as eager as I would hope they would have been. Um, but I don't know if, I guess the water clarity had some effect on it because we were pushing, I mean, right up to some fish. And then, I mean, like five, ten feet from the boat, they were just laid up and not really, not working, not not pushing up on the shoreline or anything like that we just happened to run well know. yeah i agree you know and, and all of our targets would, were stuff that we'd spotted right. right you know what i mean and, and they were just acting funny yeah and, and we had some good action man we had some red fish you know you could see these singles yeah really blowing up bait on the grass you know um pushing it up in there blowing up you could see their backs but it was always at a distance it was always singles, mm-hmm. you know. We weren't we weren't ever really getting targeted on those specific redfish that were feeding, right? And it it kind of led to a lot of boredom, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and man, what do you do when you get bored in the marsh? Yeah, well, it's hot, <laughs> sweat. <laughs> yeah, we're not even into July, and it's it is toasty. Um, but. Yeah, the, it, I think we talked about it while we were on the boat. Is like there's a variety of things that we find ourselves doing when we're uh, when fishing's a little slow, or you know, I think your first go to is finding the sunscreen out of the hatch. Yeah, because I'm hot. Right. I got my shirt off. Yeah, and yeah, so you know, pre-fishing, I don't care about bug spray or sunscreen or or hydration or anything. Right. But now when you're bored, you're tongue's dry and you're thirsty and you can tell you're getting sunburned and bug bit and you're like all right i'm gonna fix these things right <laughs> no i mean i think uh taking a taking a little break is definitely good for uh, you know if if things are getting slow um if i'm if i've been on the caching platform for quite a long time um my lower back will start getting a little stiff and so i like to lay down on the front of the skiff and stretch out my back um hey man whatever it takes to keep you on the water longer oh right you know snacks i got a snack you know my wife's helped me out a lot with all this like gut health and eating healthy Uh and so it's like this high protein snack you know what it's like whatever i ate it was a bunch of meat 50 grams of protein or something it really set me up for the rest of the day yeah 
But yeah, I mean, taking care of stuff and getting set up so you can stay out there, right? That's the one thing, right? Because if you're ready to go home, uh, I, I, you know, if someone's ready to go home on the skiff that early, man, you're, you might miss out. Because what, what right. do we do? We get bored, right? And we kind of see. And a lot of times, hey, man, bite might turn on. Yeah. Maybe some redfish are going to happen. Or, you know, maybe your game plan changes, right? And I think I pulled us around pretty much the entire time. Right. After, until After many times of me offering to get up on the polling platform. Yeah, I just didn't trust you. <laughs> and it was tough fishing. And I just I just didn't trust you. But now we're bored. So I was like, all right, we'll give it. And we switched gears, man. I, I didn't even grab the fly rod that day. See, pro tip is let let someone pull you upwind all the way into the marsh. And then when you want to pull, just wait until you're going to just got to go downwind the whole time. Yeah, see, I, I wasn't going for that. And that's why I was, I was pulling. But yeah, man, when we finally switched... Um, I just put the top water on, right? Blind casting, covering lots of ground, and fun stuff happens in the marsh, man. I mean, we had a pretty cool fish, right? I mean, sitting there blind casting, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, dinosaur, right? Yeah. And it was fun, man. I enjoyed it. A lot of times, you know, you get little gar coming uh-huh. after your stuff, and you're just kind of frustrated, you know, because you're just so focused on redfish, right? But Dude, that one came out of nowhere, and I could tell it was a good-sized gar right off the bat, right? Right. Well, it came up and peeked at your lure as you were retrieving it off the shoreline. And as you as you mentioned that you saw it, I, can't, I turned over and saw it looking, and, and you... No it, no, it swiped my lure. It yeah. was the first thing. Right. And I said, whoa. And, I, I, and that's when I got your attention, and I could see it was still looking at my lure. So I worked it, right? Uh-huh. And I think, you know, they got a really bony mouth. If you never caught a gar, these are alligator gar, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it, I said, all right, that's, you know, now we're excited, right? We've been bored. Now we're excited. And uh, worked the top water, popped it, and then it swiped at it again. I said, man, dude, this thing's kind of fired up. And uh, it's swinging a miss again. So I kept working it, and it ducked down. And I kind of thought the shot was over, you right. know, it's like, well, this is it. And then, man, just like ferocious, dude, that that next time the whole she-dog was in its mouth, man, those two treble hooks had to bite onto something, right? Yeah. And uh, and it was fun. It was a good fight, you know, I mean, spinning rod with braid, you know, I feel like you can do anything these days. Right. You know, but we flipped the GoPro on, you grabbed the camera, and and then, yeah, and then the rest is history, man. It's on my Instagram, right? That's yeah. The, and, well, I, uh, didn't, I mean, I've not, I've caught gar before, but I've not caught gar on a topwater and um, never off of my skiff. And um, so it was, it was definitely exciting because, I mean, just like any huge, largemouth bass, I mean, that, that gar was out of the water uh, a couple of times trying to shake its head and get that lure out of its mouth. And I don't know, maybe the, maybe the redneck version well, of tarpon or, well, you know, um, a couple of things that I've noted. Um, I think I had, I think one of the guides commented on that post, um, gar fired up right now. Right. And so summertime, you've heard me talk about it. You know, I, I think redfish in the marsh and the real, real back lakes where, where i like to go the water will start to get too hot and those redfish will kind of just be just won't have the energy right but gar yeah. can breathe air 
alligator gargan breathe air. So they've got that superpower, that summertime marsh superpower. You know, fresh water doesn't affect them. Uh, well, you know, and they can breathe air. And so, yeah, that dude's fired up, man. Jumping, you know, it's about, I don't know, four foot long, right? Jumping, pulling. Doesn't take a whole lot to move a skiff, but I mean, just, you know, pulling the skiff around in circles, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, it was the next step is that, you know, typically you can kind of wiggle your lure out of its mouth, but not this one. So it's like, all right, we'll pick this dude up and get the top water out, right? Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it was cool. We got it on the boat. You get to lay these fish out on the boat. You know, maybe some people don't know, right? But we typically try to be really, really mindful and careful these days but the, these gar you know they they need to stay in the water but they they can breathe a little bit of air right mm-hmm. and so you can kind of lay them out flat on the boat doesn't hurt them you can get a really cool picture real quick right and you can you can make sure you get the hooks out and you can put them right back in the water and they swim off super strong so they're a fun fish you can eat them they're you know i, th- I think it's kind of vogue lately to eat gar i i don't eat gar um they're bony yeah. But they're they're just a cool dinosaur fish, right? You know what I mean? They've been around for a long, long time. They get huge. I like to let them go. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah, my grandparents, I think I told you while we were out, um, they had a, a property. They hosted wedding venues and things like that out there. But we down in South Texas, you hear the word resaca. It's pretty much an interconnected canal system of water drainage um, through South Texas and um, you know, kind of similar to ponds and little lakes and stuff, but, um, you have a lot of gar, uh, gar, turtles, snakes, uh, some bass and depending on where you're at. And, but I mean, my grandparents and, and the people that ran around with us, they, you know, we'd catch gar with, uh, like, you know, wrap survey string around a, uh, glass Coke bottle with a circle hook and fish with chicken and, you know, swing that chicken out until a gar got a hold of it and then pull it in with a glass Coke bottle. And, uh, yeah, we'd eat, we'd eat gar all the time. My grandpa was, uh, phenomenal at cooking gar. And, but like you said, it is a bony fish. And so you, you have to be mindful as you're eating it. I didn't really, you know, I, it tastes good, but I don't like fighting bones in my fish, uh, to, you know, to enjoy it. So, yeah, I mean, and um i you know it's you gotta you gotta check the regulations but i think you can keep one a day yeah um certain size so i mean if that's it you know go for it that was the highlight of the trip though right you know we did that we put in you know the 31 miles right yeah and how'd you get the gar in the boat did we got the boga grips out yeah yeah we pin up a pair of boga grips but uh (laughs) well i mean not only that but the uh the boga grip came and uh you got it on its lower jaw and uh and and what happened that that lure came loose and he shook oh his yeah hand. the lure came loose and dropped the gar but it's got the boga float right and it didn't go far so we grabbed no, it fortunately he went towards the grass yeah, and, uh, and and the skiff had him bottlenecked in there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We did. We almost lost. We almost donated some boga grips to a gar. 
but um, good thing we didn't do that. Um, yeah, those teeth were bent up, like you said. But uh, yeah, grabbed that float, pulled him back towards the boat, and and got him got him landed. But I wish we would have had the you know we had that GoPro going on that one. I wish we would have had the three sixty camera GoPro yeah, right. Max because uh-huh. that would have been a that would have been a that would have been a, almost a, that was almost a Bill Dance moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah. But I don't think the GoPro was pointing in the right direction. So yeah, it is what it is, man. It was fun, that's for sure. But uh, what do we got next? Where, where are we heading next? Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go down to Rockport, and um, we're gonna you know our place, Fish Camp Rockport. I, we're gonna do a owners, owner stay uh out at fish camp rockport and and get all the families out there you know we you know you and i and uh, and our partner justin we take our families out there and and go enjoy the property and see if we can get some work done yeah 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 for sure man fish camp rockport i i guess you're right you said that but in my mind i've been thinking port a yeah um you know it's just that's the time it's the summertime my family is gonna be pointed towards the island right and we're going to have a lot of opportunity, I think, right? We've got some real calm conditions that we're looking at. Right. And and so when I think of uh, when going down there right now, I'm definitely, man, I'm, I'm looking at Port A. You right. know, I think we can get in the shallow sport, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we can go out the jetties, man. And I think it's just, man, like it's, it's your world out there right now, right? Like, what do you want to do? Right troll for kingfish look for anything happening right you can bounce it to the front of st joe uh you can get in the guts and look for trout you know you got redfish and jacks and snapper season and and i mean just fish till your heart's content right oh yeah absolutely and i mean we were just down in south padre island and i know the guys that uh, fish down there they've been sending me numerous reports and videos and pictures they've been just going out past the jetties and and hooking up to kingfish spanish mackerel um i think they made mention that uh someone caught an amberjack off the jetty rocks i mean that's that's typical. yeah man i think that um you know we can get um some kids are going wife's yeah. going owner's retreat your kids and wife and um yeah man i think we could troll for some kings right Right. i think that'd be fun you know i think maybe even go for some sharks you know my boy it's all he likes to do is talk about sharks right and and, um and there's just a lot of options right if it's that calm you know you can go to the beach man right and um yeah and that's what i think uh the conditions are going to be flat uh, zero to one. I think the uh, uh, National Weather Service website or the uh, the buoy um, data is calling for two foot at twenty nautical miles out, and so you know just out past the jetties, it's pretty much going to be flat. It's going to be zero to one, maybe two, um, and uh, I think the wind is calling for ten to fifteen. Um, I, I would imagine the morning, maybe five to 10. So yeah, it's going to be, it'll be a nice ride out. Um, you know, maybe we'll launch at Con Brown and uh, run up the channel from there and head out the jetties. 
Yeah, for sure. We'll bring some big rods. I think you said you went uh, shopping, right? You got some lures. I did. Yeah, I, I, I don't do a whole lot of offshore fishing. I don't do. I mean, I've trolled. I've, uh, I've got a an ex coworker of mine. He's he's got a house out in Rockport, and uh, we've fished out of his Maudi before, and we've gone out past the jetties, and typically you know latter part of july maybe august uh when things really really calm down and and you're you're expecting super flat conditions because the heat of the summer has really flattened everything out and there's no wind but you know i think we've got a good opportunity this weekend um to come out and and yeah we'll put out a couple of rods we'll troll some um some diving baits uh, one of the one of the recommendations from the buck hook guys down in South Texas, they've been running the um, the Rapala X Wrap Magnums. Uh, so they make those in a couple different sizes that dive down 15 feet, 20 feet. I guess 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 feet. And so I got a couple different varieties, but um, uh, a couple in the the mahi pattern, and then some in the mullet mullet pattern, and then um, we'll, you know, we'll troll some plug baits and some skirt baits and, you know, see if we can pull some action off the top or if not, then we'll see if, uh, if there's fish running down deep. Yeah, dude, there's a lot to do. And, uh, and I think that, you know, that covers it, right. Um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're going, you know, if you're going out the jetties, you know, offshore, near shore, stuff like that, you know, you need to make sure you're prepared. Mm-hmm. I think Justin's bringing his boat or not. I don't remember. Yeah. Right. So we'll probably we'll probably have a buddy boat out there. Right. We'll have uh, make sure that I kind of gear up for out there, which I think my biggest things that I probably don't have that I'll make sure I have is some gloves. Yeah. To handle stuff, and um, probably some bigger bogus because <laughs> we've been up our small pair. But um, that, and then the kids will be there. So snacks, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. And and it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. I, I think we can catch some of these big toothy fish. I think it'll be, it'll be super cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the times that I've been out there, I mean, you have your farewell buoys, and you know, you can you can identify where that past the jetties that channel continues on, and you do have a drop off there. I mean, we'll. I know that we don't get much of an opportunity to use your um, your fish finder, your transducer on your fancy GPS unit, but um, oh yeah, definitely yeah, I have to figure out how to work the new one. I think I got it. Yeah, um, they're all about the same, but yeah, we we can we can definitely look around the jetties. Uh, we'll go get to the rigs and we can you know see what we can see. Yeah. Um, well, just noticing the the depth change and seeing what what water we're working and um you know seeing what seeing what works are we going to be on the surface are we going to work the the drop-offs with those diving baits so and um i mean i've been out there before where i mean you just have fish working bait balls on the top and so that's that'd be a good opportunity as well as finding finding the either spanish mackerel working baits on the top or um, I mean, I've even seen um, sharks, uh, little little bonnethead sharks working bait on top. And I think that, uh, you know, your son Jack is big into sharks and Shark Week and everything like that. Um, 
But if we run into a, a bunch of sharks working working bait on top of the water, I mean, what do you think? Is he going to flip out? Oh, he no, he's been telling me he wants, he wants to go catch one, you know. And uh, last year, yeah, he's been in the sharks for a while, dude. I mean, like Blue Room, shark posters, you know. And last year, I was like, hey, let's go do it. And every time I said it, he's like, no, Dad, I don't actually want to catch a shark. No? But he, he's on board now. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I think that's it, man. Um, the other thing is, too, is I'm not – I'm not big offshore. I'm not big, you know, near shore anything. So it's like, what else, you know? And and that's accessing the beach, man. You know, you can still go after trout and redfish. Mm-hmm. We can, um, you know, anchor the boat up and get onto the beach, go do some beach combing. Was that you know, looking for the seashells and right. stuff like that, right? Uh, if you're on St. Joe, you can't go. You know, you can't go past the dunes. You can't get into the dunes. It's it's all privately owned, but it's super cool there. And so I like it. I'm excited. I think there's so many different things we're going to be able to do. Um, I hope that we get to do what we're actually wanting to do. And that's work, right? Work at the fish camp. Yeah. You've got a couple projects planned for us, right? Yeah, we've got, we've had some stuff lined up, um, you know, coming off of, uh, fall and spring, um, We've had a fire pit out there, and I've been wanting to upgrade the fire pit to a stone fire pit with a fire ring on the inside, and you know those solo stoves that. Well, we had a we had our fire pit was the like Home Depot special or Tractor Supply special. I think I bought it. You know, it was the on sale one that you know it looks great on the box, but I mean, man, it's just that like rolled metal, right? We knew it wasn't going to last forever. So, yeah, it's time to put a real serious built-in fire pit. I yeah. think it's doable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've been I'm, – I'm needing to build a fire pit in my backyard as it is, um, and um, I think we'll use, uh, we'll use this installation at Fish Camp Brockport as my trial run. And I've got a, I've got a little scheme planned up for this – uh, I've, I've been watching a couple YouTube videos. I know how to put together a fire pit, but there's a, an idea I've got where we, you know, you've seen those solo stoves where it uh, circulates the air Dude, and keeps the smoke out of your face. Well, first off, this is, you're about to go engineer on me, right? Cause I'm just like practical, uh-huh. you know? And I'm yeah. like, Make you gotta have good ventilation. No, I'm like, you gotta have the fire to breathe. Like I've been yeah. building fires all my life. My right. dad's been building fires, you know? And it's, you know, so like all of a sudden now, it's like some revelation that if you get fresh air to the bottom, hot air rises up, the fire burns hotter, and there's no smoke. You know what I mean? I'm like, just a bunch of yuppies over Engineering. here. Uh-huh. Engineering, yeah, you just invented a fire pit. Not that we haven't had fire pit for the last, you know, four hundred thousand years or whatever. We've been making fires. Well, when you don't have smoke blowing in your face, you'll be let, you'll be thanking me. I, man, I would have built it that way anyhow. Uh-huh. Um, but that's it, man. Right? So it's great. We're all going to be down there at fish camp. We're going to get a lot of improvements done. Yeah. Um, I think we've got we've got some plans to upgrade it, right? Um, I, I don't probably, probably most people are not familiar with our fish camp. You know, they're listening to us. Yeah. And so what we got is, you know, it kind of really sparked a lot of this. We talked about it is 
We've got five acres in Rockport, right in between Con and Cove, right? Mm-hmm. Splits the difference between Porter or between Aransas Rock- Pass and Rockport. Yeah, and so it's wooded. It's surrounded by wooded stuff, and and it's just a place that we wanted to build that would never be a parking lot, right? Right. And so we've got three containers. We've got it set up. We've got the ponds dug. We've got wildlife. We've got all the windswept oak trees. You know, it's really cool. And we're not going to expand it into something overdeveloped, but we're going to keep adding some cool amenities, you know. Yeah. We've got to get a better gate system. I think we're attracting more people now. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. We've um, we've got a couple other little things around the pavilion in the common area, you right. know. So what we've got is a really, really cool fish camp, right? Absolutely. And we're going to keep building the community up there. So... You'll have a you know better spot to hang out and relax. Right. Not that you need it, because I mean, there's plenty of trees for a hammock. Oh yeah, I'm gonna bring my hammock. Yeah. Are you bringing yours? Yeah. Bring my hammock. Probably bring my slack line. Yeah. Bring all sorts of fun stuff, right? Oh yeah. Um. We just got that horseshoe kit. Horseshoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun place to party, right? Because you know, if you're staying somewhere. You're either packed in there with little bits of room, you know, or or maybe, you know, it has the community things, but it's a big area. You got to share it with a lot of people. So it's it's real it's a real tight group, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, built it around community, around the community for fishermen. We've had a lot of people that are just travelers that, you know, think that the place seems like it would be enjoyable and they come and stay and and have enjoyed their time i mean i don't think we've had uh anyone that has been disappointed um but uh i think we have we've got a bad review yeah yeah we have our first bad review happened and, and it's i don't know it's public but there's no need to make name you know call it names but we had two separate group staying right uh-huh. father-son duos and there was a father-son in one a father-son the other and they didn't know anybody they just booked and one duo you know said it was a two-star review said there was no internet mm-hmm. no wi-fi and it was super boring yeah right and the other group said five-star review my son loved exploring on the property and caught a ton of fish in the pond. Right. You know, so it is what you make it there, right? It's real it's real wildlife, man. It's 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 cool where the containers are and, and the back portion is I mean, I've seen tarantulas, I've seen coral snakes. Yeah, deer. You know, we've seen deer. Yeah, less scary ones, I guess, right? <laughs> um, you know, so so it's a it's a neat spot and um and yeah, man, I mean so far we've had a lot of Airbnb travelers. Yeah. Uh getting that website done. You know, I, I think that's a big step for us too, and I'm really hoping that we're getting more skiffers. Because yeah. we kind of built it for skiffs and boaters. Right. Each container has their own spot to park their boat. Um so I'm really hoping that Maybe we get the website booking done and we can get more of the polling skiff community out there, right? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, too, is I've traveled plenty with my polling skiff. We've hauled it down to Florida and we've gone all sorts of different places. And and with a polling skiff, you have a 22-foot push pole that's not inexpensive. 
you don't want someone to pull it off your boat. Um, you don't want people digging in your hatches and things like that. So we offer a good secure place to stay and you don't have to worry about your gear. You don't have to worry about, you know, well for the, you know, legal stuff, you know, probably like worry about your gear, but yeah, you're right. You get to park right next to the container you're staying at. Right. right. Like it's got a security light right there. You don't have to park on a parking lot. Oh yeah. On the edge real far away. Uh, it, I mean, you know, I like it a lot. I think it's super cool. Yeah, I hope that we're getting more of the skiffers, right? We've got a big area by the pond. You get to practice your casting right there. Oh, you yeah. You catch. I've caught bass out of that pond on a fly rod. You've caught bass out of that pond on a fly rod with a mouse fly on. <laughs> a giant mouse fly on, man. Like, like coming out of the water, hitting this topwater mouse on a fly rod. I mean... The place is cool. It's so much fun. You can play washers, uh, sandbags, you know, you, anything that you want to do. I, I just, I really hope we get the Poland Skiff community out there. Uh, what do you think? Like, do we need to do better advertising or, or, or what, are your, what are your thoughts? Are we, are we going to have to like make us some commercials while we're there too? I mean, I think anytime we have an opportunity to get content, I'm always down to get content, but it's uh i think it speaks for itself i mean anyone that's been out there like we said um has not been disappointed with the exception of those two and uh i yeah. feel bad i mean even the even a two-star review I, I mean i still feel bad i wish everybody had fun you know but but it's like man it is like it's it it is what it is right you know? yeah absolutely i mean i've the the nights i've been out there the, you're not going to get a better uh, star watching and and moon watching night on a clear sky. I mean, it's just it's awesome. Oh, and I'm constantly looking for places with no Wi-Fi and no cell signal. So a little foreign to me, but I, I definitely get it. You know, I've got kids too, and they've got tablets. Um, so we're gonna have the whole families out there. We're gonna have all of our families are what family two families of four and a family of five. Right. We're going to have a bunch of kids running around. We're going to have all our boats there. We're going to have plenty of room. We're going to have the whole place to ourselves. And anybody can do that, too. You get to rent the whole property out. DIY Lodge. So if you or your group or your polling skiff club are interested, hit us up. You know, Check us out at Untamed Out. Right? Hit us up on Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram if you have a question. If you need help you know, planning an event. Or putting boats together for a trip, hit me up at Lone Star Guide. If not, go to the website, www.untamedout.com. Click on the properties and check it out. You can book it direct now, yep. singles or groups. Uh, we still got summertime availability, so go hit it up. Filling up fast. I think that's it, man. Yeah, if, uh, if you want to reach out via email get us at info at untamedout.com but otherwise that's it head it out